uh, once again, this is G7 Voices Without Boundaries. We're back again on a Sunday talking about topics that make us uh, think, uh, have the conversations, um, trigger, um, you know, uh, empower, but at the same time to uh, ruffle the, the feathers, you know, because we need to, to be uh, quite frank and be honest. And, and, and reality is, these conversations need to be uh, put on the table. We need to discuss, um, color difference aside, race aside. But at the end of the day, that's what brings us here. Uh, I'm your host with the most black man, and I'm with my ace, Brooklyn's own. He's over there still struggling with his, uh, 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 with his uh, computer and everything over there. I don't know what's going on over there, black man, but we're going to make it work. In the meantime, thank you to everyone who's coming through. And for people who have been trying to uh, watch us on live stream, we're having some difficult uh, uh, stream. Um, but we're going to try and make it work along the way. And um, so it's been a, a very good roller coaster. And the roller coaster has come with a lot of, uh, there's a lot of challenges. And these challenges, how do we embark and how do we move on to figure out how to uh, come with a solution? And what does that solution look like in the first place? What does that solution look like? Because it seems like it's a never-ending story. And we continue to cry tears. We continue to voice out. We continue to protest. We continue to uh, try and amend these legislations. We continue to build the community. But what does that community need? And um, uh, uh, last week's program actually, uh, is going to echo what we're going to talk about today. And... Um, we talk about police brutality, we talk about, you know, um, black men being shot by white men and all of that, but we never want to address the black-on-black -black crime, the community building, who is the community, where is the community when all these things are happening, the obligation that is put to the community. We run away from that. I asked someone a question yesterday. I said, do you think that white people live, uh, black people live for white people, or do you think that black um, or rather, white people want people uh, want black people to live the way they want them to. So there was no answer with that, you know, which raises the question because uh, when things happen within our own community, we don't really speak about. When a, 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 a black men shoot each other, we don't go out and protest. So I'm gonna play the devil's advocate, you know. And again, like I say, we're gonna you know put it out there in the open what we are doing as people, black brown whatever color you are, what we are doing as people, the obligation that we do. So um, today's program, we're talking about justifiable power, justifiable versus abuse of power, justifiable versus abuse of power, justifiable versus abuse of power. So how does that look like? And what are we talking about? So there is a whole lot of happening. Uh, to start off with, so there is, I'm going to play this only one minute and 12 seconds going to uh, ruffle up the, the feather so for us to have a conversation because these conversations we need to talk about and and again everyone is talking about this but you know you you get different uh, minds different uh, thoughts different uh, perspectives and everyone is going to come with their own opinion and their facts what what may be so it's it's right 
is right before us, we, we have to talk about it. So let me uh, play up this joint right here for you to start up this conversation. Like I said once again, uh, it's justifiable versus abuse of power. What does that look like? So um, let me do this right here. And to start up this joint right here, um, let me do this. Okay. Um. This is the latest case of an officer shooting and killing a black child. Happened. It, it happened the same hour Chauvin's guilty verdict in the murder of George Floyd was read. Now, in this backdrop, Columbus, Ohio police said they wanted to be transparent, releasing body-worn camera footage. And we want to warn you, the video is disturbing. We froze the video the moment before she was shot. Walking up towards a fight in progress, a Columbus police officer fired his gun within five seconds. 16-year-old Micaiah Bryant died from the gunfire, according to foster care officials in Ohio. Her mother tells ABC 10's sister station, WBNS, the honor roll student was the one who called 911 when the fight broke out. Micaiah had a motherly nature about her. She promoted peace. In the slowed-down body-worn camera clip, Bryant appears to have a knife in her hand, attempting to stab the person in pink. The officer took action to protect her another young girl in our community. Columbus's mayor said the incident is a tragedy for the city. No matter what the circumstances, that family is in agony and they are in my prayers. They deserve answers. And its safety director says he is committed to ensuring accuracy in the investigation. And those answers will take time as the case is reviewed. And invest Judge him. Yeah, I hear you, man. Uh, um, so, uh, so once again, so that's. Uh, uh, um, talk about you know, there's, there's a whole lot of, of content that comes with that, and um, what what that looks like is different from everyone else. So different different opinions once again, like I I was saying, and then of course from the uh, law enforcement, you're gonna get you're gonna get different uh, uh, from uh, the society, you're gonna get a different opinions as well. But this time through this, this program today, we or rather this episode, we wanna hear from everyone. This is voices without boundaries. No matter where you at who you are, what you look like, uh, we want to hear your voice. Let's talk about this. And uh, what does this look like to you? You know, we're talking justifiable versus abuse of power. Was that justifiable? That's the question. Was that justifiable? How do you define just, how do you define that when you say it's justifiable? So you're talking less than six seconds and someone is out law enforcement there's training and then there's all this uh, chaos that is happening and everybody's like out there you know wanting to understand how the the, the law enforcement reacts to incidents and how do you de-escalate situations so those are questions and more that we need to talk about so i'm gonna uh uh, uh open up the platform let's chop it up 
position you know this is uh, again a, an open platform no voices welcome to everyone who's joining us uh this is g7 voices without boundaries this is black man and my ace rick brooklyn's own i don't know where you're at today you know yo you, can you hear me can you hear me hear you live and clear, I man. Everybody can hear you, black man. All right, all right. So now I'm good to go. <laughs> peace, peace. What's going on, great people? Ow, we here. Energy up. So did you play that video already, Dre? You've been like, you know, uh, 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 over there, man. I don't know where you at, man. I've been trying to figure it out, but I'm here now. Did you, yeah, you the video already? You played the video already, black man. All, right. all right, so let's hear from the people then. Yeah. I know we got people on here from law enforcement. I know we got people in the inner city. Let's hear from the people. In regards to how they view in society, how they view in this particular incident, and so on and so on. What we got in here? Let's see. So yeah, let's so let's let's talk. Let's talk, good people. Uh, what's what's your take about you know that whole incident in Ohio? And and again, that Ohio incident is one of many, but it's one that is kind of like uh, new to to the uh, to the people right now, but. In regards to how it was handled, and in regards to how, um, what, 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 what's the conversation within that incident, and what needs to be addressed for people to understand? And now we're talking about both part, both sides of the of the of the of the table, law enforcement and the society, because it seems like the trust within the citizens is going down when it comes to policing, and the police are also trying hard. To regain the trust within the communities, but how does that happen when you still have those bad apples that taint the image of law enforcement? Of course, you still have the bad uh, apples within the communities that make police not. So it's a two-way stream. So uh, to sit here and say, "Oh, the community is perfect," or "The police are perfect." No, none of us are perfect, but something can be done. To create that balance between the two communities let's talk family mm. Mm, we, are. we got Ty. you see Ty. i saw Ty raise his hand i see you man let's go ahead man like open up the house so here's the thing um this this was a tragedy no matter how you look at it you know this young 16 year old woman who was evidently working out some kind of emotional issues in a violent way um, died. So th th that's a tragedy. So I look at it, I look at tools and methodology. So if, if, if the police had not been the first to arrive on the scene, if, if, if in the model of defund the police, mental health specialists had shown up, social workers had shown up instead of the police, what would have been their tools and methodology to prevent this young woman from continuing with her attack, her stabbing attack on the other woman? I don't know the answer to that question. Could they have pleaded with her in her state of mind at that time? I don't know. So then you say, okay, the police showed up. What were the tools and methodology that were available to them? The gun, yes. The taser, yes. I guess the billy club, blah, blah, blah. So what I've learned in discussions, and I'm not agreeing or disagreeing with any of it is, could they have deployed a taser? Possibly. But at that close range with that quick um, reaction, it has to strike skin. And, and she was wearing a, sweat, a hoodie. She was wearing a sweatshirt. So would the taser have been effective? I don't know. Um, could, could he have shot her in the leg uh, to stop it? Yes, but the police are not trained to do that. 
Should they be? Perhaps. The police are trained to make a shot count. So you, you, you're, you're there to defend the person being attacked. So I, I don't see any easy, any easy observable solution to tools and methodology in this case. Um, could, it have, could, could the officer have yelled and screamed and, and the attack would have continued and, the, and the, the person being attacked would have been knifed? Maybe. Um, could he have could he have tackled her? I don't know. It's it, it comes down to tools and methodology. But if only social workers and mental health specialists had shown up, um, which is the defund the police um, framework, right? Don't send the police to an incident that could be de-escalated de with another health mental health professional. Was this a mental health issue? Was this a violent attack? So I just raised those observations. I I. I it's, it's just a tragedy all around. So uh, that's on point at all. All the questions and more that you, you, you put out there, that's what everyone Could they have done something else other than shooting? And yes, we understand that when a uh, is uh, in danger of harm, the police, they are given that license to shoot and kill to protect the third party. But you talk about the time frame. Uh, I see your hand, uh, Mike. I got you. Uh, when you when you have less than five seconds, you didn't even like attempt to say, drop your your knife down or call back or whatever the case may be to try and you know prompt a conversation. So that didn't happen. So the first instinct was come out shoot. How then do we justify that? You know because now there's so many questions that come out now in terms of. You could have used a taser. You could have uh, probably tried some other means or whatsoever because there was more than one one police officer there. So we're going to get into that as well as far as like the numbers. How does that work when you have more numbers, more police officers that can be that could have restrained the girl instead of having to shoot her? Uh, Mike, what's what, what's <clears throat> your now? Well, blessings to everybody. Um, first things <laughs> first. Um, I want to start off by, you know, I think Todd touched on some good topics, but I want people to always remember policing was meant for slave patrol. That's the purpose of policing. Let's start off with that, right? Um, and um, I remember something Big Bullock always say, he used to always say, if the only tool you have is a hammer, everything that you approach is a nail, mm. right? So there's no way that a situation like the young lady in Ohio or the, the young brother in, um, in Minnesota, right? And other people being killed. Um, you know, I think that certain situations could be handled by not necessarily training, but getting more people, getting more parties involved. So even if you had a social worker, teaching a social worker how to use a taser or pepper spray, something that is non-lethal than, than saying you're stopping somebody for a air freshener, you're stopping somebody for wheeling a knife. And let's remember the young lady called the police because she was in distress when she, when she had that wielding knife. So she was actually trying to defend herself to an extent. So, he, so as Todd just pointed out, could you have shot her in the leg or could you have shot 
one shot, it could have been fatal, but it could have also slowed her down. He shot four times. What is the purpose in shooting four times? What, what are you getting at? So I just want people to always remember policing was meant for slave patrol. And again, using Bullock's terminology, Big Bullock, if everything that you approach, if the only tool you have is a hammer and everything you approach is a nail, how are you fixing a solution? You cannot use a hammer to, to, to put a screw in. You can't use a hammer to break everything down, but you could use it for certain things. So um, unless it's a, a, unless it's a life-threatening situation, personally, I don't think the police should be involved because their approach is to disarm and kill. Hmm. But... If you're if you're stopping a young man for air freshener, why couldn't it be somebody like a regular traffic a traffic um police officer, somebody with just a tears and a pepper spray? Hmm. So, so let me ask you this question. Pause for a second. I I know your situation. You and I are brethren. So, if that was your daughter or one of your daughters on the other end of that knife, you asking for a taser, or you asking for what would you prefer for the officer to do at that point in time? Just to provoke thought, because we're talking about possible abuse of power or justifiable. So now, you know, they, people say it, it's not a concern of yours until it hit home. So I want to give you a painting of it hitting home and your daughter's on that car and she's being rushed with that, bu that butcher knife. What would you have well, wanted I to do? So I would have, honestly speaking, I would have preferred, I would have preferred a taser because in, in, in the long run, somebody's life is going to be lost. It's either going to be my youth or it's going to be the young lady. Some, something is going to happen. I'm not saying that I, I prefer my daughter losing her life over the young lady or the young lady using, losing her life over my daughter, but as the thought that Todd or the point that Todd brought up, which was most of the times you could hit one shot, some shots, some one shots are fatal, right? But I'm saying right. wound her. If, if, if it is you're going to use a, if you're going to use a handgun to slow this process down, you could shoot this young lady in her leg, in her leg right? You can shoot it in her shoulder. I'm saying you're shooting at the mass, you're, you're shooting to the center of mass, which mm -hmm. is her chest or back or whatever. But right, you could also part. still wound her. You don't have to necessarily kill her. And not only that, you shot four times. So your intent was not genuine. Your intent was malicious. Because even if you shot twice, I'm pretty sure you would have slowed that young lady down. Mm. But Not see, four the thing times. Is, I'm sorry, I'm chiming in. This no, is doing. I hope all is well with everyone. I, I have my reservations when it comes to that situation because, first of all, law enforcement are not trained to wound, they're trained to kill, especially right. when it's a life threatening situation for someone. It's unfortunate that it happened that way. Um, because to me, it's like, I can't really speak on having a child because I'm, you know, I'm not a parent, but from what I did see, someone's child was, could, could have potentially gotten killed pretty much. 
you know what I'm saying? But the whole thing for me, I just hope that this is an eye opener because I try to tell, <clears throat> excuse me, some of the youth and things of that nature that we work with, a fight can end up deadly. You can hit somebody and they head hit the concrete or something and they got brain damage and you know what I'm saying? So any little thing could resort to that situation, but I really don't know the background in, in regards to her calling the police, but I felt like her and her family should have stayed in the house. As soon as they called, they should have stayed right in the house until law enforcement came and let them do whatever it is that they, you know, did. Because apparently, if I'm not mistaken, you know, her foster father was the one that was fighting the other adult woman as well on the side, right? Right. He was. He kicked up. And at, at the time the, the officer came out the car, he had to be a witness to that young lady getting kicked in the head while she jumped up to go stab. Right. So the decision had to be made. Hey, morning, morning, guys. Uh, peace, peace, King. Morning, kings and queens. Uh, I just had a quick, quick comment to what uh, what that guy is saying in reference to like the taser. If y'all ever been a witness to a taser, a taser is, is a two prong. So one prong has one prong has to catch the top of the body. The other prong has to catch the bottom of the body to have a full connection. Mm -hmm. So even in that situation, a, a taser. It's not really effective if it's not going to hit the the subject that is aimed to hit. If it if if you get shocked, it's just like you get like uh carpet carpet shock. You know, you're walking for a long period of time with carpet, and it shocks real quick. That's going to be it until two prongs catch. And now, in reference to like y'all saying shoot for the legs and stuff like that, if you ever in a high stress situation, you're not going to be able to to focus in on a leg. They train to shoot, it's like sending a mask because it's like the largest part of the body. And most of the times when they train, it's to shoot two times. So if you're in a high stress situation, you're gonna shoot multiple times without even knowing. I know people that that was in shootings and they shot the whole clip without realizing that they already reloaded and shot again because it's just that high stress of a situation. So it's adrenaline. Uh, uh you are officer, right, Mr. Mr. Charles? Yeah, I am officer. I'm sorry, y'all. I am officer. I work in one of the inner cities in Georgia where okay. stuff really do happen all the time. I grew up in the streets. I'm from the streets. All of us grew up together, Ty, me and some other guys that that that's on this chat. But the same time is I get the I get the gist on the both sides of the other fences because I grew up in the streets and now I protect the streets. So, let me ask you a question real quick. There's a king on here that put in the chat, Mr. Phillips. He said, "Do you think it's uh, a training issue?" Hey, Tariq. Uh, before, before, we, before we, we go on, uh, once again, thank you to everyone. But we're gonna try and uh, and um, and make sure that we, uh, if you have a question or a comment that you wanna put, uh, please raise your hand because I know there's a, a few people that have had their hands raised in like way long back. So, just oh yeah us to uh, bring in so we're trying to like um, have a good flow of conversation so we appreciate your patience if uh, we'll get we'll get to you so and um yeah, Errol, answer this question yes indeed we'll reiterate to uh, what uh, Deputy Lucia said and then uh, I'll come to you uh, Jacob and then I'll come to Zanelle and I'll come to brother L so um, uh, go ahead Tariq Errol, you know Mr. Phillips X said is you know is it is it a, a training issue is this the early officer? Do you, do you think that's a that could be reformed? Yeah. 
I mean, you can always have more training, but at the same time is you got to look at it like this. The, the people that you want to be, that you want to have patrolling and policing your neighborhood, yeah, you want them to look like you and you want them to care about you, but the same time is we're not doing that. You know what I mean? You got most of the uh, African-American people that look at the police as, nah, I don't want to do that job. Why not? You don't want somebody that's coming from, uh, say, Wisconsin, for, for a sake, and that don't know nothing about the area coming in and policing, but don't know the inner city, don't, or don't know the language or whatever, they might think it's offensive, but it's just, uh, it just the way that you talk to each other. You see what I'm mm -hmm. saying? So at the end of the day, yeah, more training could be could be a, a small part of it, but at the same time is we need we need more than more than training. You know what I'm saying? If you look at that situation where the uh the young the young lady got killed, you had all those people outside before the cops even came, then once the situation started to get out of hand, then the situation was the cops by the time he got out that car. Like you said, six seconds is a short time. It might seem long, but trust me, hey, it's real quick when you're looking at one situation, the girl getting stomped in the head, the next thing you know, that knife getting pulled out. And like I said, if it's my daughter on the side, the other side of that knife, hey, so be it. Because mm -hmm. I don't want my daughter, I don't want my daughter getting killed or stabbed up for something that, you know what I mean, could have been prevented. Now you saying that cop didn't shoot. And that, and that young lady would have got stabbed and she would have died, that cop would have been on the hook for neglect the duty because he's there and didn't act. Mm. So thank you. Thank you. So there's so there's there's so many facets to how we we mm. or understand the law enforcement, you know, the, the protocol and uh, there's also uh, the cries of the people, how they look at it, because they're expecting law enforcement. Is that okay? You're not gonna come just for the kill, but you're gonna come at least to address and uh, um, restrain or have uh, an uh, uh, an army of police to at least try and control the situation. And like you say, Lucius, that six seconds is literally like like none. You know, it's like less than half of your breath, like holding a breath. And uh, when you look at uh, the George Floyd, the nine minutes and, and 27 seconds, when you have all those police coming up, lining up, lining up, and then it led to a man dying because of law enforcement. And again, like we always say, there is a lot of police officers who are doing this for the, from the heart, you know, and they are there to serve the community. And how do we bring about that conversation to understand when it's really critical for one to say, you know what, I used uh, uh, <clears throat> a deadly weapon to control the situation and, uh, and without feel indicated that, oh, because you're a police officer, you think you can do all of that. So we'll get back to that, Brother Lucius. Thank you for, 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 for two times as well, because there's a lot of questions that need to come out of that. Uh, Corday, Jacob, what's up, black man? What's up, brother? Um, Please, Billy D. Simp, how you doing, sir? Yeah, yo, what you say? Good, hey. man. So, um, a couple of things that I wanted to um, bring up has already been touched on, but, um, you know, the when, when the police gets there, the you know, the police doesn't know what's going going on. The police is just it comes at that 
particular moment. So their response is just as, is is to what they're they're seeing at that moment. You know what's going on. So the girl had the knife, and she was that blade was going to go in that in that other girl uh, if the you know, that police didn't get there in that particular moment. You know, so I think the what what's really like bothered what really bothers me is what led up to all this right so the girl was at home and all these people showed up to have this confrontation that, that's what that's what bothers me the most because what what is so serious that can lead up to that for the girl to call the police get a knife and want to hurt somebody and then get killed i don't i don't know i don't know what exactly you know came up to to, uh, to that point, but we see it all, of, all over on social media or on the internet, you know, these young people fighting each other and it's recorded, you know, it's, and and they, you know, they enjoy it. Like some people like enjoy like recording people getting beat up, mm -hmm. or, you know, they, there's no, um, or there's a lack of empathy or, you know, for for others. You know, this, the violence is just fighting each other for what, you know, it doesn't make any sense. So in, in defense of the, the police officer, the police officer got there in a particular time and they saw what was, what was going on right then and there. They didn't know, they have no idea preceded that. So, you know, for the girl to, to die, um, you know, it, it's sad. It's very sad. But and of course, we could say the police could have done this. Police could have done that. Maybe the police officer could have shot her one time, and you know she could have survived that one shot. But you know, it, it, it was a life-threatening situation. Right. 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 Yeah. Let me go to uh, all the way to South Africa, Sizanelli. Uh, hey. That's a take, young queen. Yes. Indeed. Hi everybody. Hi, Nati. Hi, Tariq. Mm. I hope you guys are all well. Um, so a lot of what I was thinking in my initial comment was, as you know, people have covered what my, my thoughts were, my question, my original question was, um, and still there's a part of me that in, in what everybody's saying is, is I look at, as, as you said, from South Africa. So a lot of crazy, a lot of community arguments, people fighting, whatever. The, the, the difference is certainly in my country is that it doesn't seem as if people are getting killed by police within those contexts. So agreed that you're a police officer comes upon a, con a situation and has the choice to, um, to, to try and stop somebody from doing a particular action or, well, you know, so, so not kill them, basically, would be my thing. And, right. and it, it does seem to me that, that within you guys' context that people get killed much more for a basic bar brawl, a, 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 a neighborhood fight, and that sort of thing. So it, it feels that that is excessive for me. 
Um, and, and I'm and I'm getting the you know you shoot the the officer comes along there's they they have to get to the largest part of the body etc cetera, etc cetera. and I'm always still left with the question of was there not another way to stop it the argument of if they hadn't resisted they wouldn't have been killed is is, is I kind of I'm taking it to the end point but it feels like so either don't resist and stay alive or die, which for me doesn't feel like an option. Um, but long story short, with, within that, I'm still left with the, are there other ways in between to be able to, within your law enforcement practices, within the way that people are responding, to be able to stop brawls without actually killing people. It feels to me that people are killed unnecessarily as opposed to the opportunity to actually just stop somebody in their tracks. Mm. Uh, questions mm. uh, and it's a, it's, a, it's a blessing that we have uh, brother Lucius here if you can uh, do you mind to tap on that you know because she asked a question I think you might also help us in terms of um, helping us understand if there is other ways that uh, as law enforcement you are taught to deal with such situations. All right uh, can you hear me? Yeah. Yep. All right. Before that was uh, Officer um, uh, Earl Charles that was uh, speaking. Um, this is the first time I'm speaking. I'm also a law enforcement officer um, here in uh, Florida. Thank you. My issue, I hear everyone talking about the situation, but like the brother that was uh, spoke um, before the young lady, um, I try to get to the root of the problem. Right? Everyone is dissecting the different sections of what happened with the incident where the girl um, got shot because she tried to stab somebody else. But I, I try to get to the root. The root of the problem is why are those folks out there um, doing all that? You know, uh, all the folks that are out there, no one is trying to break this up. No one is trying to de-escalate any of that. If they were able to do that, guess what won't happen? The cops won't get called. If the cops weren't called, he's not making that decision whether to shoot or not to shoot, whether to tase or, or not to tase. He's not making that decision. So I do think us, uh, we have to, I mean, the African-American community, we got to do a little better with ourselves. We're, 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 we, we're showing up the things that we don't need to. Like we're letting social media um, dictate where we're showing up to people's homes that, and then the situation gets escalated where we're, involving knives and so on and so forth you know what I'm saying? why are we so i mean angry and, and doing these kind of things and i say that because in my in my profession right now i deal with all walks of life and i know whenever there's a um a situation where there's a, a large gathering of white folks i tend it tends to be not as as i'm trying to choose my words correctly but it's like when I when I when there's like right now I'm at the state fair. There's really not much issues. Yesterday it was student day and a large contingency of African American students came here and they fought all night long. Why is that? Why is it that we just can't come and hang out and be peaceful? Like why is it that? And then also to touch on another thing where um, the communities where people are coming from uh, Wisconsin and they're also police in our community because our I'm African-American I chose this field but a lot of people don't want to be an officer they want they rather you know play a sport or do some be an entertainer or do something else so people are coming from different walks of life to police our communities and some of them have never had any contact with African-Americans other than what they see on TV other than what's being put on TV or social media as far as us fighting and us doing this. So they're already 
um, think that we're aggressive by what they see, right. uh, they believe to be us. So if we're like when black, some black folks talk loud, I know that when I show up to situations, not because they're talking loud means that they're about to fight or about to do this. This is the way they are. And I know that I'm not, you know, you know, kind of ready to do something because I hear them talk a lot. I know that's how they talk, but some people might perceive that as aggression or escalating the situation. So they're already, you know, ready to do something when they shouldn't be. So um, I'm going to start aggressing a little bit right now. Let's talk. You got to appreciate you speaking about accountability. Yeah. You're speaking your, your optics and you're talking about accountability, which we do have to do a better job in. Uh, and holistically in every area of our life, I believe, as a, as a society, as a people, especially with the entertainment and the, uh, the propaganda that's put out there that you spoke of, we have to stop indulging it. Mm -hmm. Indulging it, you know, that's kind of that, 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 that transitions to a negative conversation, whereas people are depicting us or misjudging us or, or coming to an end conclusion prior to even knowing us or having any type of dialogue with us. So that does play a factor. However, however, um, is is the law is law enforcement where you are? Are you guys taking any um, steps to ch implementing some sort of change to improve or possibly uh, what's the word for prevent these type of incidents happening? Because we already know you guys train center mass. Is anything we already know that um, we have officers that's not like-minded or brought up in, a, in our community, police in our communities. We know these things. But what are we doing inside? We want to speak about accountability. What are you guys doing inside? You're a deputy. You're in, you're, you're in a particular position right now. Blessings to you on that. But what are we doing inside? Are you, are you putting any type of parameters in and speaking to your actual fellow officers to help police our communities that are not familiar with the individuals in our communities? So what, what, what I tend to do, um, in my agency, I'm representing the community. So for the, for the officers that don't have any contact with African-Americans because they do come from, you know, flyover country or what you might say, I'm the representation of our community. So when they get into the community and they talk to someone, they're going to go into their mem they're going to go into their mind and say, well, what is my example of an African-American, a positive example? So they see me. So now they can put my face on that person that they're talking to and show them their respect that they might show me. So, but we also have to, it's a lot of, in my agency, you know, there's not a lot of African-Americans. So there's not a lot of examples. So we have to get in there. So when you, when you look to your partner and as a white officer, you look to your partner, he's black and y'all have conversations every day and you're kind of, they might have questions for us. You know, why is this? Why is that? They might have those, but they can't ask anybody. And most of the contacts you have with, with, with the public, believe it or not, when we, when we show up, stuff is hit the fan. It's negative. It's either we're pulling somebody over, that's a bad encounter for you because you think you might get a ticket, or we show up to everyone's bad day. We never show up because you're having a great day. I just want to call you to say I'm, I'm at home. Everything is great. I just wanted to call you over. I'm calling you because I'm in front of my house and somebody's trying to get in and I'm getting a knife and I'm trying to go do this and that. So we always come when it's like a bad day for some. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. what my agency is doing and what I'm doing is right now I'm in the schools. Right now, I'm in one of the worst schools out here in, in, in my particular community. But I'm trying to bridge that that gap because I talk to the youth. Because when they go home, 
They're like, well, I don't like the cops because X, Y, and Z. They gave my mama a ticket. They took my dad to jail. They did this and that. So I said, let's talk about that. All right? Why don't you like the cops? Do you like me? Well, I, you know, I don't know. Let's, I said, let's have that conversation right now. Okay? Is it fair if I saw you and said, I don't like you without even getting to know you? Well, no. All right. So give every officer an opportunity. And then we have that dialogue and we bridge that gap because they could not communicate. And now they're youngsters. So as they go into the community, they could pass that information. This might've been, because there are bad cops, I get that. This might've been a particularly bad cop, but they're gonna say, well, he is not like Officer Lucius or Deputy Lucius, um, you know, um, this is my good example. So they could weigh like, well, he's bad, he's good, just like anything. Um, and also, as far as um, my agency is real good at um, trying to get ahead of the curve. So right now, and for situations like that, we're testing something called a bowler rat. Um, Y'all don't look that up. It's like, uh, it's similar to a taser. Mm -hmm. You fire it and it spins out a rope and it kind of wrap, wraps the persons up. But, but because, of that, because of that situation, they're testing out, see if that could work as far as de-escalating situations. Um, so, like so, a net, like a net that's, that's wrapped, that wraps you up? It's kind of like a rope. It goes out, and I'll send you the link. But it's, it, it, wrap, it goes around you, and it starts tightening up. So if you're trying to run, you shoot. One goes high, one goes low. So it'll go around your legs, and then as you fight, it'll just get tighter and keep you there. So it's it's it's, it's better than a taser because you're not getting that pain. You know what I'm saying? And they're right. it, testing right now, so I don't know if we're gonna apply it or not, or if we're gonna use it. Several officers have it. And that's what we're doing. But we're open to everything to try to de-escalate situations. And oh. <clears throat> Lucius, for the for the input and the insight, uh, I have uh, uh, Phillips. I'll come to you, Andre. Just give me one. Uh, Brother L has had his hand for a minute. Brother Charles, go ahead, big man. I love it. Voice without boundaries. Come on. Brother L, are you still there? Oh, okay. Uh, go ahead, uh, Dre. Andre, Young King, where you at? What? Once again, to everyone who's joining us, this is G7 Voices Without Boundaries. It's your host, Black Man, with my ace, Rick. We're talking justifiable versus abuse of power, you know, and uh, these conversations, we need to talk about them. And uh, there is a question here that was asked by, uh, by Young Queen. She said, um, what does diversity training look like in black areas for cops who don't have a lot of interaction with that demographic? What does diversity training look like in black areas for cops who don't have a lot of interaction with that demographic? Well, uh, Mr. Lucius, Karan, can you answer that question? Or Earl? I mean, you gotta look at it. Like diversity training that's, that's gonna can be considered, hey, you going to the local, uh, say the families, you know, you got, Plenty of areas that got families that been there for years and years and years. Hey, you go to the, the barbecues, you sit down, chop it up with the kids, play football games, basketball, whatever you could you could do to help the rapport in reference to, especially if that's going to be an area that you patrol. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. anything that you could do to help, like, bridge the, bridge the gap, hey, I'm Officer Bob. I'm here for you. You know what I'm saying? Let me know what's going on. Let me know what's the local. You ain't gotta tell me who the local drug dealers are, but let me know the areas that that you feel that's causing a problem to the kids that they can't play safe or they can't 
ride their bike safe or stuff like that that's going on. That's me as a training officer too. When I got somebody that's not of color, hey, we going straight into the hood. I'm talking about the worst of the worst. And we getting out the car and we walking the beat. We walking, they talking, you know, talking, they, 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 they shit to them. Hey, you gonna take it. They're not doing nothing personally, but they're just trying to see if you could handle yourself without me being here. Cause there's gonna be times when I'm not here and I be have to trust you to go in there and have the same mindset like, yo, they just talking, there's nothing personal, they're just talking. And then when they realize you go in there, you do your job and you finish, yo, obviously you did your thing. They was out here wilding or they was out here tripping. You know what I'm saying? Yo, I got you next time. We ain't going to worry about it. We'll take care of it. You know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, like like Karan was saying, it's all about getting getting ahead of it. But even when you get ahead of it, it just got to be, it got to be the, the love from both sides. You know what I'm saying? Because you got to look at it. this job. I mean, especially now, it's never been easy, but it's not easy now. Mm. You see what I'm saying? You got people that hate you and you got people that love you. Majority of the time, people that love you, but just what's being painted in the in the media is gonna be all you feel is like yo hate 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 hate. So now you're gonna be on ten all the time instead of being being on five, then taking it to a ten when the situation when the situation occurs for you to take it to a ten. So at the end of the day, it's all about people. It's all about you training, getting trained the right way, talking to people, especially if you're not from that area, because this is just like me. I'm I'm in the city kid. I can't go to Wisconsin. <laughs> I'm like, hey, <laughs> what's up? Right. They looking at me crazy. You know what I'm saying? Instead of, hey, hold on, <laughs> you don't do all that here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, right. so uh, yeah. I'll touch on that too. It's it, it basically you got you got to get out there. You gotta you gotta get in the community. Like it's a big difference when you show up to a scene and you call somebody by their name. Like, yo, Johnny, yo, stop mm-hmm. that. I know we have that relationship. People are not building a relationship. The old way of community policing is gone. Everybody sits in their cars, and then they show up on a bad day. Listen, I'm there every day. So on your good day, I know. And, and when you learn stuff about people, especially in your community, on their bad days, you can connect with that person. Hey, I know you're having a bad day because I know you. Not because you're showing up and trying to just, you know, try to situation you call if you call somebody by their name and say hey man i know you're having a bad day today but we're gonna get through this day we're gonna do x y and z blah blah and you bring up something in their life that you you know and i use that at, at school with the kids i talk to them every day so when we do have that bad day i've already built that relationship i don't wait until the day they're having a bad day now to try to de-escalate and build a relationship at that time you build that beforehand so you use it so you can use that later so and then you understand what people are going through and they understand you. And you tell I tell them, I'm not out here, my job is not out here to put y'all in jail, but I will if I have to. My job is out here is to keep y'all safe. All right, I work for y'all. If y'all got an issue, um, like people said, I'm going to fight such and such. I'm like, listen, y'all pay taxes. I'm your, I'm, I'm your hitman. Call me, you got a problem, call me and I'll go over there and I'll solve it. I'll go over there and see what's going on. You All you got to do is dial 911 and I'll show up and I'll go over there and do what needs to be done. You know what I'm saying? And resolve by resolving the issue. You don't have to go over there and do that. So use that resource. Use that. You know what I'm saying? I'm not here to just come. Go ahead. I'm just I'm curious about uh I love the fact that 
you speak about rapport and building relationships. Um, to those officers that think otherwise, that say that it's not possible um, for X, Y, and Z reasons, what about, uh, I'm, I'm curious about the deployment, just from a knowledge base, are you deployed to the same areas every day to be able to actually um, create this rapport that, that, we, that we're speaking about? I'm the poor. I'm the poor mostly in the same area every day. That's due to the fact that I'm a veteran. So at the end of the day, we do get the rookies that come out and they got yeah. learn. They got learn the tough areas. Mm -hmm. I that's the time I'll be switching up because I know it's gonna go left real quick. Somebody's a new face. It's just like you on the block. Somebody new come on the block. Yo, who him? Who that? You know what I'm saying? So it's the same. It's the same aspect. Uh, all right, when they knew, all right. So for four weeks, my whole, my whole uh, consistency plan of just going in the areas, hitting the hot spots, it changed because now I have to go in new spots so I can show him, or show him or her how to interact or how to move around without, you know what I mean, ruffling all the feathers that need to be ruffled. So at the end of the day, yeah. You do get new areas, but most of the time I'm still in the same area when I'm not training and able to police. So everybody do know me within that area that, hey, I go there. Yo, John, get off the, get off the freeway. Stop begging. Let's go. You know what I'm saying? All right, all right, Charles, I'm gone. You know what I'm saying? Hey, you already know what time I work. Hey, you ain't gonna, I, ain't gonna, I ain't coming out here for the rest of the day until I know you all. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Like I mean, that's right. It makes, so, it, it makes a lot of it makes a lot of sense, you know. And uh, uh, Tariq, you know, what's interesting is that for us as the community, we are getting the uh, insight as far as the, the the protocol, you know, and the the whole nine yard when it comes to the police officers where where they're deployed and all the the needed basics to understand the community as well. As community to understand the law enforcement and of course we have a long way to go uh, i have two hands here so uh, uh i want to touch to uh see if andre is still there if not i'll get uh, there good good morning or good afternoon almost to everyone um, it's a pleasure, pleasure to see you guys and and great health and spirit and this dialogue is very very important um from my my standpoint because it was a lot that was said um, the institution of, of, of policing and law enforcement coming from someone who represented under the banner of FOP um, is already a uh, authoritative, dictative ship. And the job that you have, um, and I appreciate the brothers that's on the line that's speaking as individuals um, outside of the institution of policing, that's really some of the biggest problem. And the implicit biases that come from being an officer and lack of exposure for a lot of officers. Um, so they go into situations with fear already. So right. we have to consider that um, before we make certain judgments. Mm -hmm. um, but, the, the, but where we're living in right now, a lot of people are making assessments based on emotions and not based on, on logic. Um, specifically uh, for that situation with the young lady that you know had a knife and ended up getting shot. Mm -hmm. I, I heard a couple of people say earlier, and I've had training and several different areas and I actually represent for MPD right now. They are trained to hit center mass, two shots to the center and one to up top if necessary. But because it's it's the most effective way to eliminate a threat. So when we talking about policing as a whole, your job is not a counselor. Your, your job is to 
remedy and eliminate a threat. That's just what it is. So you're trained to eliminate a threat. If a person is a threat based on the, 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 the threshold for force, um, a person that has in a life or death situation, you're going to use the appropriate threat, um, threat level or the appropriate action to uh, uh, eliminate that threat. Um, so a taser may not have been uh, uh, the viable option in that situation because the person still could have got killed. And I like when the brothers talk about liability purposes for the for the for the for the police department. It's liability if they did not act appropriately. Right. So. You have people that's on social media that have a platform that can speak on stuff and put pressure on things. And we had a, we had a similar case in the district where uh, a young man by the last name of Dion Cameron, say his name now because he's not long, no longer with us, is known to be a robber in the community, known to be, uh, to be a threat to that community and known to, to carry pistols. So when the police came and knew who the person was because someone called and said who the person was and he th was going to throw the weapon, for a split second he's raising a firearm at a police officer and he ends up getting shot. That's because it was an imminent threat. That police wants to go home to his family. That's what it is. And I'm not advocating for anyone to be killed, but sometimes we put ourselves in those positions. But once we start talking about logic, facts, and reality outside of emotion, that's when people get misconstrued. And because we have social media, because information is just so translucent and it's being shared all over at a minute a time, everyone wants to be an expert, but never have walked in the field. So in regards to the, 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 the global issue of law enforcement, yes, they need to be more training. Yes, there needs to be more culture and diversity training. Yes, there needs to be more tough conversations like that. But the institution of policing is the institution of policing. We need to have review boards with civil, with civil, civil review boards to, to, to examine certain situations and then we build from those certain things. And just to wrap it up in short, that the, that the institution, again, of policing is what it is. We need to have other approaches to, to, to develop in the community these relationships. And from a hiring standpoint, nobody wants to be the police from our community. You even label the tie, you label it as a person that was a sucker when you was growing up, so now you want to be a police, this, that, and the third. It's not appealing for people in our community to be police unless you incentivize people to be police with police next door programs, different incentives. And I can go on, on, on for, for days on this issue, but it's more, it's more to it than just saying, oh, the police are wrong or, oh, the community is wrong. The community has a, a history of trauma. So of course it's like invaders coming into our community telling us what to do. And the approach is different because both sides are fearful of each other because of this inter, this inter uh, section of different uh, populations or cultures. And that's pretty much the skinny of it. Thank you for allowing me an opportunity to share. I appreciate it. What, what, I got a question for you, Dre. Um, Mr. Phillips. Yes, call me Dre, call me Phil, whatever you want. <laughs> Listen, I, I'm curious from your expertise, what would you think would be the remedy? Being that we have these two sides continuing from, from I, I, I would say dating back to like, uh, who mentions uh, policing is, is from slavery. Right. That trauma, right? What right. would you, this, your humble opinion, you know, your suggestion that, that we possibly could have, um, that would be a remedy. Because we ain't getting nowhere. It's actually getting worse, being that we have so many people that don't have any idea what it is to walk in these particular shoes that have platforms and speaking on it. So they pretty much just throwing gasoline on the fire. 
Yeah, I think that, you know, from 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 my from my vantage point of being a representative at FOP, um, a lot of those individuals that were in, you know, higher positions, they were really rednecks. They were really racist. So the underlining of it is what it is. I think to move forward, you need to have programs like one of the brothers was talking about, but on from a from a policy standpoint where you're you're having these tough conversations, you are having review boards, you're having uh, uh, think tanks to talk about community. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm also a coach in the community as well. And one of our sponsorships comes from PG PAL, which is a police organization that, that also does community work through sports to right. bridge the gap in between the community and these young people that's coming up to say, hey, all policing is not, is not, is not uh, a bad thing. When you have school resource officers being removed from schools because they feel like it's a terror look when you have an armed officer in the building, maybe we should switch up the uniforms. It's a lot of different things, but I think the biggest thing is having uh, policies that speak to these, these underlying issues and be able to have these tough conversations and leave those conversations with actionable items because everyone has an opinion. But what are right. we going to do to see if it works? So I think we need to have more bridging of the gap and tough conversations within communities. And we use the, we need to use our democratic process to have people in place that, that represent us and look like us that can speak on these things, that have had experiences like us, you know? And, and, and I feel for the, both sides, the police side, and I feel for, for and, and then also it needs to be people like the brothers on the line speaking at the table, because they're the subject matter experts on how to hold their, their colleagues accountable, the ones that are racist and doing, doing some racist things. It needs to be whistleblower protection, because uh, a police that does not, does not uh, speak out against their colleagues that's doing the wrong thing are just as complicit in the actual action. So it's a whole lot of things that need to be that need to take place. But I think one of the biggest things is incentivizing black and representatives of the community to join the police force. That's the biggest thing. If you can incentivize, a neighbor is not going to do a neighbor wrong. But if you got someone outside of the community policing as an invader and thinking that these people are just like everyone says they are, just animals, they're going to treat people like animals. But if you have people that, that live next door and, and this police ain't right, they gotta walk. To, they gotta. They gotta interact with me in the grocery store. If I see you doing something wrong, then I'm gonna hold you accountable too. But if that's not happening, then that's not gonna happen. So, right. Ray, uh, uh, what is still there? Uh, I got you, brother uh, Eric. Please uh, be patient with us. I got you, and uh, from there I'll come to you, brother L. There is a question that come up here. Uh, it's actually for you, uh, uh, Dre. And then the second part, I'm gonna direct it to Lucius and, and Charles. Um, for you, Dre says, why are police scared? Why are communities scared of each other? So that's that's the first, that's two questions they in one. Why are police scared? And why are communities scared of each other? Dre. I think that I think that it's a, I think it's one part of it is a divide and conquer thing. And because of the 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 the, the foundation of, of law enforcement, I mean, you're never gonna be able to shake the unwritten codes of holding certain communities back. And if you could weaponize policing as an institution, not as individuals, that um, you, you are keeping your, the thumb or the foot on that, those different people. And because people, so, so one thing I like that, that someone said to me, I can't remember who it was, it said, exposure leads to expansion. 
So if I'm exposed to certain things, then my fear of what I don't know ends up, you know, dissolving. So if I never had a if I never had a uh, conversation with one of the bro, I think his name was Eric, then I wouldn't know how he is. So if an evader comes into my community and all I know as a, as growing up, I never had a good interaction with the police because of what the the institutional foundation of it is and 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 like the brother said and no one calls the police just to hang out or you know just to uh, right. fix a problem so it's already that 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 fear of I, I mean i could go in a courtroom right now and i'm a law-abiding citizen and i get the bubble guts right just it's just embedded in our social dna at this point as being the second class citizens of this country so i think that more interactions like this or more conversations like this lets down the guard of people that, that never had experienced good experiences with law enforcement right. and vice versa. Right. Yeah. Uh, let, me, let me speak on that for one second. Um, okay, I, I think, I, I think like the brother's saying, we need to have more conversation um, about this and then we have to have more representation. And there's also the, the fear of not knowing. Um, just imagine for a second that, you know, you just came out your house and like a, a spaceship just came down, right? The doors are opening up, smoke is coming out of the, the spaceship, something is coming up. You don't know what it is. So you go to the back of your head and you're like, ah, I seen some movies with aliens, they're gonna come out, they're gonna suck your brain, they're gonna do this, they're gonna whatever. So you're already gonna have that that fear of what the unknown. So now if that op that 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 alien or whatever comes out and they're peaceful, you already at edge. And that's kind of what's happening in the community. These folks that are coming to police our community, they don't know us. All they have is that bad information, what they see on the internet. So they're already at edge when they show up to certain things. And especially when they show up to a chaotic situation, they don't have time to really uh, digest what's going on. They just are reacting to what they know and the, and the training that they have. So if you're more exposed, like you said, to the community, you're more exposed to people talk loud when this is going on, you know that this person is a loud person, this person might move a little quick because that's who they are. Being exposed to that, they'll give you that expansion that you need. So we need to have more conversations like this to help everyone understand on both sides. And we need to have more representation to show that you know our community is not just what we see on World Star Hip Hop. It's not what we see in the videos. It's not we have educated uh, women and men within the African-American community. So what's teaching them is not social media. So just more representation and more conversations. Representation is key you know, to, to everything. The representation is key to everything. Brother Eric, you've been holding on for a minute, Black man. We appreciate your patience. Go ahead, man, you got the platform. Hey, good afternoon. Good afternoon, yeah. everyone. Good afternoon. Hey, um, first, I just have a, a question and I have a, a statement also. You know, I'm, I'm just a regular citizen. I'm a retired uh, military, uh, several campa combat campaigns I've uh, been involved in and everything like that uh, over the years. But uh, my thing is, uh, the question that I, I want to ask is, uh, for the policemen that are on here, when you're in the community, are you trained to be, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Intimidating or helpful? You know, and, and it seems like when the police is in the, the community, it's for intimidation factors, you know? And uh, I can give you an example of what I mean. Uh, just last weekend, uh, I went to the VA to get my uh, immunization. Uh, I was in Northwest, you know? I'm sorry, uh, I was in Northeast. 
And uh, driving through, uh, coming back to Southeast where I live, you know, there was a, a huge police presence, huge, uh, as if they were looking for someone. And they were on, on foot and in their SUVs and their vehicles and that kind of stuff there. It was very intimidating. I felt threatened, you know, because I didn't know what was going on. It was a huge presence. I just wanted to get out of that area to get home. Uh, it seems like anytime there's a, a police presence, it's an, it's an intimidating environment. Is that part of the training? And can we do something about that? That's the only thing I, I ask. Thank, thank you, Blake. Let me, let, me ask, let me ask you a question about that. Why is it intimidating? I think that's more of a personal thing. Why is that intimidating if there's a lot of police present? Normally, the, the thing is that police are there to help. So why is it that when there's a lot of people there to help, traditionally speaking, what the police, to me, what they're there for, is it intimidating to you? The reason that it's intimidating to me is because of the uh, because of the uh, experiences, past experience I've had dealing with police. Uh, right. For the most part, there's been negative uh, consequences to come out of it. I've never broken any laws, if you understand what I'm saying. But and I've been pulled over and I've been handled in such a way where uh -huh. it's the, the authority was uh, abused. Uh huh. That's that. That's the whole key right there. What you just said. It's in your experiences, and we need to We need to connect with people more because a lot of our interactions with the, the, the public are negative. So that's why when we have opportunities, we have to connect on positive things because right then, when you see a lot of us, and the last time I dealt with the officers because he was giving me a ticket, he was, he was doing this, he was doing that, something negative. So that's why you have that anxiety towards when you see a lot of us, because traditionally, if you see a bunch of officers in an area, they're probably, they're supposed to be looking for the bad guy to, to, to you know, kind of stop him from going home to the community. So that's the problem right now that when you see a lot of um, officers, it's kind of like a, a, like a military or invading force. People are like, uh-uh, like, what's going on? I don't really trust that. And that's what we as officers and the community have to build that bridge. That 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 bridge has been has been lost. So we got to try to we got to do something about that. And this is what this conversation is about. Well, I, if you don't mind me saying, you know, I hear police officers saying, you know, at the end of the day, I want to go home. I want to go to my family. I want to go to my my kids. That type of thing. There, even perpetrators, they want to be with their families. They may be doing something wrong or whatever, but I don't think it, it always has to or or most of the time has to end in a, a situation where someone is not breathing anymore. Someone doesn't make it home. Someone someone dies, you know? And with that being said, police are, are equipped better than the average citizen to be protected with, with the, the armored vest, with the weapons that they have, that type of thing there. Why are you so jumpy about you wanting to get home, but the person that you're dealing with, you, you're not interested in they're concerned of getting home and seeing their loved ones again. And I'm not just trying to point things out. I'm just saying this is my perception of things. Right. So uh, thank you, brother, brother Eric and brother Lucius, for the insight as well. Let me try and, and get in uh, two other people um, uh, so that uh, at least like accommodate everyone. Brother Charles, I see you have your hand. Dimitras, I'm coming to you. Brother Charles, what's your take? Nah, like, like what he was just explained just now, uh, uh, what what part of the military you was in? The one uh, person I was just speaking not too long ago. Uh, I was in the Air Force. You was in the Air Force. Yep. So Combat control. 
So combat control. So have y'all ever like uh, mounted up and went into like certain areas in reference to going into hostile areas? Absolutely. All right. So for and so in your situation now, it's gonna be the roles is gonna be reversed. So what do you think the people that was looking at at y'all when y'all was coming into the areas when y'all was going into hostile situations? Uh, definitely uh, gra- uh, attention grabbing. But uh, the thing about that is the UCMJ is very clear for us and it's enforced on, on military people. And they, nah, they make nah, examples. Now, nah, I, I get what you say, but I'm just getting the, the, per, the perception of what the same thing, how you said how, how it looks is what other people look, the areas that y'all went into in reference to, hey, what all these guys doing here? They got guns, they got helmets and everything like that. It looks intimidating, right? Well, the, 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 key, the difference in that is they know why we're there. We're at war. You understand what I'm saying? So right, but, that but perception has changed because we, we are at war. We're, we're not there to patrol. We're not there to, to uh, necessarily protect. We're there for a specific reason. So if you see a military force, you would know it's a military tactic that's going on, a military operation that's going on. And that's the difference in that, you know? And so we're trained. So, so I'm sorry, when you, see, when you see like a heavily, heavily police force or police gathering or whatever, they're not there just to a drink coffee or eat donuts or whatever. That situation is obviously something happened that they're there and they're looking for somebody in reference to something that happened. It's not just you got 50 cars just sitting there just chilling. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. at the end of the day, like you were saying, like you had you had some bad encounters, which pretty much I'm not sure everybody on this on this conference, but most of us have. You know what I'm saying? So at the end of the day, you don't want to take that that same encounter or that same memory that you had with somebody on a previous situation and transfer it over to somebody else that you you meeting for the first time. Like if if people on here that ever met me or know me, you don't even know I'm a cop outside of me in uniform. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it's all about how you talk to people, how you interact. Even me as an officer, if I'm coming to you, giving you a citation, hey, this was going on. Hey, you just ran the stop line, um, the stop sign. All right, let me, let me get your driver's license and insurance. Come, let me make sure everything come back clear. Now, it all depends on how you come at that person or you talking to that officer is how it's going to go from there. If you, all right, here you go, officer, blah, blah. But if you, Man, what the fuck you stopped me for? This and that, this and that. Okay. But what it went to went from a warning is now gonna turn to a citation. You know what I'm saying? And now you're giving that, that person the opportunity to dig deeper into something that that was not there. You see I'm, I'm so saying? sorry to interject, but that's that's the part that I'm talking about as far as the training goes. You you should you should be trained to to maintain a certain level no matter how that person is speaking with you. You understand what I'm yeah. saying? That's what I'm saying. Everybody. So why why are you escalating? Because that guy's escalated. Why not? Uh, That's what I'm the situation I, down. I'm not escalating. I'm just telling you how different officers work. Like you say, you have bad bad encounters. So you saying, yeah, everybody's trained to, to handle their cool, but everybody's not the same. You cannot so, go. Let me interject, Charles. So we so we make sure we get Demetrius' take on things. You you um. Like I think somebody mentioned earlier before, there's gonna be some bad cops out there. There's gonna be some cops out there that have lack of professionalism. And that's what maybe Eric, you have experienced. I believe 
many American uh, we have experienced, a lack of professionalism, a lack of empathy, and so on and so on. Um, however, I think Mr. Charles was trying to convey that if you're walking around with a uniform and a badge and a gun, not only does it have a negative connotation to it, it can definitely present from your optics an intimidating look without you saying anything. The same way he was trying to lead into when you was in uh, the uh, uh, Air Force and you had military operations going on, that the people on the other side, they probably looked at you as being intimidating. So I appreciate you brothers. We definitely want to hear um, from Mr. Uh, Demetrius, the young king, so we can get some more people before we close out. Mitri, you there? Demetrius. My, my bad. Yeah, I'm here. Peace, you peace, King. Yes, indeed. We need to hear your voice as well. Your hand up, like, man. Okay. Um, Hello. I'm going yes. I think you have some network. All right, but I said I lost connection for a while. Okay. All right. Um. So, um, what I wanted to speak on was, um, I heard Phillips speak on one thing about neighbors and the neighbor community, and I heard another officer speak on things. I want to know: Do the police officers do you do you do if you got a certain beat or a certain area that you're patrolling? Do they teach you all to, like you said, they show up when when we need you all to come to a, a actual incident? But do you all show up, or do you all get a chance to walk around and knock on doors and introduce yourself to the area that because makes yourself known, not just as being an officer that's patrolling this area for things that's going to happen. But introduce yourself to the community and let them know who you are, who will be patrolling their beat, and how things are working. So when the next group come in, like a pass down, you know, do you all get a chance to do that? And I might be out of area, it might not be something you all do. And then another thing I want to speak on is the officer has something that a lot of other a lot of other people don't carry. They have a hell of a discretion boundary that they utilize. So it's the it's a discretion of that individual and how they out, how they look at things to make a call on a life or how you deal with a situation, how you deal with a person. And I think that discretion area for everybody that turns into an officer, it comes back to how they was brought up, their actual background. You know you're trained for making these discretions, but it still falls back on the individual and what their their outlook of life is and how they feel about a certain type of way of handling situations. So I think that discretion area is a real great area for officers because you have a choice at that time. You're the, you're the law and order at that time when it's time to make a decision. And on a lot of decisions, court has been held on the streets now. It's no longer the court has been held in front of a judge. A lot of these killings that's been going on is the actual officers being the judge and the jury at that time when they're making these discretion decisions at the time. So my thing is, and I don't have a question for anybody, it's just some points I wanted to make to understand officers. Now, I understand the point of you want to make it home at night. Um, at one point in time in my life, I wanted to be a police officer. But my thing was, I didn't know how my discretion would work due to the fact, I ain't going to say I'm scary, but if something moving and it don't look right, I might fall off. <laughs> so my thing was, hey, I probably can never be an officer because the unknown for me is, hey, I got to protect myself first. So I, I looked and said, well, that might not be a profession I might want to go into due to the fact I have a discretion and I 
my discretion growing up was always if I couldn't see or didn't understand it, I had to either fight or flight. You know what I'm saying? So I moved away from even going into that field because I just knew me as a person, my discretion wasn't going to be the best. So I just wanted to make that point of those two points of officers getting out their cars when they do have, have an actual area that they're patrolling to make themselves known, to socialize with the people. From what I see, I stand in a um, subdivision community and I would never see a police officer. I see them sitting in their cars in my community. They're ready to stop a traffic violation or ready to, to come around for a call, but I never see them get out and just walk around the community just to make themselves known and let us know, hey, I'm Officer John. How you doing, Mr. Davis? You know, I work this beat on, um, I'm on the PM tour, and I just come around just to make sure everybody home's okay and anything you need. You might see me, you know, in the neighborhood, you know, you can blow at me or, you know, just, you know, show your hand up, but I'm a, I'm a great guy. You know, he ain't gotta give me everything, but just let me know that who he is. And I think we don't get that in a lot of these communities that we go in. Only time a police know African-American kid or a kid in, in, in these urban neighborhoods, if that kid is a bad kid. If he's a great kid that's going to school, the officer has no idea right. who that kid is. So right. my thing is, is that they should make themselves more sociable into these communities that they're going into and not only come when they need presence, but come when presence doesn't, be, doesn't need to be met and make themselves known, known to the actual community and try, and I know it's kind of hard to bring them to this community because they already got a, a defense up against officers, but they still need to try to break down that barrier and try to introduce themselves on a social, social and a more friendly manner. So when the situation does pop off, here come Officer John. We talked to him the other day. He a good dude. We're always socializing with us. I might not feel as fearful as I would if I didn't have no idea who you are or only seeing you sit in the car. That's it for me, brother. Right, right. I appreciate that. That's hey, Tom, let me comment on that one. You know, for me, speaking for myself, you know, I do do that a lot in reference to, like, the areas that I patrol or anytime I have an encounter with people. Hey, what's going on? I'm Officer Charles. You know, I work this area, whatever. So all the stores, mostly the houses, I stop at barbecues, everywhere, right. you know what I'm saying? So there's right. nothing that I'm not getting out the car to speak to somebody about. Even people that I know that we're going to have some bad encounters with. Like, yo, man, I know what y'all doing on the block. Just, hey, keep it respectful. If I come around, that clear up, or whatever the case may be, it is what it is. Because I know I ain't going to stop. I ain't going to be able to stop everything. But at the same time, is you have that a report with people saying go, bad go down. At least they're trying to help you or steer you in the right direction. You know what I'm saying? Even with kids. You know what I'm saying? I know kids that, that grew up in the project, I mean, in the the project apartments out here that no, I knew from there were like six, seven kids that's going to college now, scholarships, showing them how to get scholarships, throwing out paperwork and stuff like that to try to help them get kids to get out these situation. So you do got officers that that's doing it. Would it like, would I like it to be more? Of course, <laughs> but the, the, the nature of a beast, everybody's not, built the same. Everybody, sometimes you got people that's here just for the check. You got people that just here just to say they have a job or a career, mm. but everybody's different. You know what I'm saying? And my question I want to ask everybody today, if y'all had an opportunity to don't know everybody's job situation, whatever it is right now, but if y'all had an opportunity today to hey, one, let me stop what I'm doing and be a police officer or whatever the case may be so I can help have a positive encounter or people have positive encounter with me if I go police that neighborhood would y'all do it mm. 
So that's a, that's a, a very good question there that you asked, uh, uh, Brother uh, Charles. So if anybody, if you can, if you can uh, um, drop your answers on the chat line, we can read them out so that for the benefit of time, because we only got four minutes, because it's been a very, very, very productive and uh, uh, empowering conversation, because well needed, and it's always it's been so hard to get you no know, lawyer uh, police officers on our on our podcast, Tariq. And we understand that there's been some reservations here and there. Um, uh, so somebody said I'm not built to be a cop. So and again, you know, it's it's not for everyone. Uh, but uh, the the whole conversation here was to bring an understanding. And there's a lot of uh, uh, um, uh, words that have come out. Uh, like you know liability accountability uh, uh, community building um, um, uh, being proactive and uh, interaction and understanding introducing yourself to your community and all of that is only happening to a very very few percentage of individuals within the law enforcement let alone the community as well has to do their part too introduce themselves to the law enforcement because it's a two-way stream so if you leave it to the police officers and say well they're going to come to us when they come to to the community they're coming on a on a on a on a, on a uh, assignment to do what they have to do some of course will come like what charles said will come and introduce to to the community whatever there's an activity or, or something that's happening we have seen it on youtube law i mean law enforcement officers Going to the uh, to play ball with youngins, you know, out of random, buying stuff for youngins, helping here and there. So all of that is happening. But the unfortunate thing about it, all of the positive things that are happening out there that the police officers are doing, is overpowered by the individuals that are doing the bad. Because again, the social media, like somebody say, is going to fluster everything that is bad and then you never hear about the good stuff. And then you hear about it like later, like two years down the line, oh, this happened. Like we have uh, the, what's the, what's the officer? Norman, Officer Norman, the white dude, you know, he's like now a celebrity police officer, you know, he, when he moved into that state, you know, people, the area that he's uh, patrolling it, no one moved there. Even black officers, they didn't uh, uh, patrol there. But he had to find a way to introduce himself to that community. And now, youngers, even kids, when they see him, Officer Norman, because he has built that reputation and he has used that as a platform for him to, allow, uh, to, to have people understand what is law enforcement. Because at the end of the day, we understand about the defund, uh, the police, and then all of that stuff. We get that. But how does that look like? At the end of the day, the community has to have a conversation. As a community, we have an obligation before the police. As a community, we have an obligation. What's our obligation? Like uh, I think it was Charles or Lucia said, when you have all this rah-rah going on in the community and the, the, the community is not taking responsibility and to take uh, 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 the initiative to control the situation, because when the police come, it's like now, you know, I have to resort to the second, uh, uh, second, second uh, plan. What, what do I do to help eliminate this problem? As a community, we have to try and do our best. Not try. We have to take the initiative to 
make things happen within the community so that when the police comes it complements what is already laid out in the community because if you leave it to the police of course the police some police are not coming there to have conversations and discussions they come in there to just do what they do and, and go and like somebody said they might be coming from alaska or wherever and then you put them in working in southeast or in florida they don't even know it anything about florida or northeast so all they think about is putting on my uniform go to work and do what i gotta do and go back and then go back home and then when i take my vacation i go home so they look at the people who are in the community as you know targets and then the people they look at the police officer now as an enemy so how do we rebuild that how do we uh take away the stereotype because that's going to be there forever. Now, even people, when you are driving, seeing a police officer coming behind, you just, you know, go crazy. There was a chief, uh, a chief, uh, uh, I can't remember which state it was. He was followed by uh, police officers. You're talking about the chief of police. He gets stopped. He's like, I was, I was scared for my life because I was driving my car and they had to drag him out of his car, put him down, and then he said, they asked him who he was, and he was like, man, I don't give a F if you are a police officer whatsoever. But when they searched him, they pulled out his badge, and they found out that he was a captain for another station. So now they have to pull back. So he called the chief in that area, like, hey, I have to have a conversation with these dudes. But then you see, it goes on to that level of like saying, even if you are a law enforcement officer as a black man, you're still going to go through that. You have a, 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 a good brother. We saw that not so long ago. The, the, the military brother got stopped and everything went from left to left. No matter whether you're wearing a uniform, you're representing, not even representing, you are donning and, and, and putting pride in your country that I have a uniform on. You know, as a military dude, I've been in combat. I, I, I at least expect that we are going to have a conversation with my fellow, you know, compatriots, you know, like as officers, like, hey, what happened? But now, there's no conversation. He asked him, where, where do you work? He tells him his bed. I mean, the dude is a lieutenant, and then he's like way above rank with, from, the, from the officer, but he didn't care less about that because he was what? He was black. I mean, all of that stuff you now comes with understanding how do we come to a place where we can conversate and understand each other because what's happening right now, the world is like it's full of all this madness, you know, the police needs to come in to restore the community. The community needs to restore its own community. As people, we need to restore ourselves. We're working with souls that are filled with fear. You know, as a police officer now, if they had to say police officers don't have to carry guns anymore, like in England, so which means police are going to be scared for their lives. But in England, they don't want to use them guns. Yes, they carry guns, but only certain departments of police officers in England carry guns. So they use their they have working with sticks. That's all they have. But they still control the situation. You go in Finland, same thing. Like, what is it about America that puts so much power within the police, uh, police uh, law enforcement for them to feel that I can control the situation using a weapon instead of using the voice? Because people will listen to you. People will still listen to you. And the fear is not only on one side both on the law enforcement and the community. And then if you have got two fears collide, what do you think is going to come out of it? Mm. So mm. They, this, this, this was a very good platform for us. And I don't mean to take away words from you, Tariq. It was a good platform from us. And I know with three minutes, uh, 
uh, past our time, but we're going to take these three minutes just to wrap up to have an understanding and at least also get, get an understanding from the officers. We appreciate your presence. We appreciate you coming through. We appreciate your insight. And again, this is Voices Without Boundaries. Everything that we say here is positive and healthy and is needed. We need those conversations because we can't only resort to Instagram, Facebook, and all of that. And then there's no conversation. It's like people just like texting each other and somebody's in the kitchen and someone is over there. Like, why can't we have those conversations now? Face to face. It's okay to be wrong. It's okay to be right. Like Charles Barkley will say, I might be wrong, but I know I'm right. So take that ownership. Take that ownership. Like say, I'm saying what I say because I know what I'm saying. And you are saying what you say because you know what you say. Guess what? We are both right, but we're still like what? We're still cool. You know, so there shouldn't be any all all of these clashes and madness. But here we are, this is where we are. Let's continue to have this platform. Tariq, uh, go ahead, black man. No, no, hey, you said you said a lot, man. I know people trying to go out and enjoy their Sunday. I think the sun is out. Listen, continue to be the light, great people. I definitely want to thank everyone that came on today, especially the speakers. We had great, great information. You know, we exchanged great information. Iron does shop and iron. Tune in with us next week on Sunday. We'll have another great guest. Um, listen, be the light. Yes, indeed. Be the light. Let's be the light. That's how you hold yourself accountable. Be the light. And thank you who joined us. Thank you, Sister Zanelli in South Africa and everyone everywhere else. Everybody. Brother L, Brother Charles, we appreciate Brother Lucius, rather, and Brother Charles. Oh. People coming through, and uh, and everyone else who joined us, we appreciate your input. Listen, man. Brothers. We are here. We're going to continue to keep pressing the button. Quran, love you, baby boy. Thank you very much. Indeed. Yes, As indeed. always. Yeah. Better. Yes. Peace, peace. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Thank you, Dre. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you, for sure. Me, Tree. 305 is best. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Okay, thank you. Commissioner. He like the commissioner. I know. <laughs> Deo. Thank you, Lucia. Thank, thank you. Me, Z. Really decent. Once again. <laughs>